We are on. We are live. Welcome to uh, Facebook Live. Welcome to Marysville Church of the Nazarene. Good to see you all. Let, let's let the people on Facebook Live hear us. Let, let's make the loudest noise we can hear. Come on, let's make some noise. That was pretty awesome. Good to see all of your shiny, beautiful faces here this morning. And, uh, you know, some, someday we need to on Facebook Live. We need to go through the audience. I don't know if we can do that. Stephanie's shaking her head at me now because I'm asking for something impossible. But we, we're glad you're all with us, whether you're on uh, on Facebook, whether you're online with us, whether and, and being here. We, we're just so glad to have you with us. Uh, a couple things to be aware of. We, we are looking at making some changes uh, as far as adding some things and maybe changing times a little bit. Uh, beginning September 13th, say September 13th. That's a Sunday. That's the Sunday after Labor Day. Services will be 9 and 1030. Also on September 13th, you guys, you're like, we don't care. We're, you know, we're here at 9. But uh, for those watching online or come to the second service, and then on September 13th, we will begin offering children's church in the second service only. So Mara's all excited, ready to get going uh, with your kids again. So that will be in the second service only to begin with. And, and then on September 20th, uh, the intention is to begin one Sunday school class with another one to start pretty quickly after uh, by Bob will be teaching a Sunday school class at 1015 in, in the Activity Center and the Family Life Center. And so we just encourage you to mark all those important things on your calendar. So uh, September 13th, services will be at 9 and at 1030. Children's Church begin on September 13th and we'll begin checking kids in at 1015. I believe that's all the important announcements that I have. And so uh, uh, we'll continue to, to keep you advised of, of, of all that's going on. I know we have a date for, for Ed's uh, service and I believe September 20th. September 19th, September 19th, and so that will be at the Pavilion in Marysville, and we'll give you more details as, as we get closer to that. Let, let's stand, if we will, and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for this opportunity to gather in, in your house with your people in your name. Uh, that's significant. We believe, God, that, that you want to move in this service and you want to move in our lives. So we invite you, we, we uh, give you permission to speak, and as you speak, may we uh, follow your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
this morning? I know your faces are covered, but can you sing a little louder for that reason? <laughs> can we, there's just so much power to be able to hear each other declare these things. We will keep singing in the difficult times. Amen? Amen. Let's hear it. Oh, 
read to you a familiar story that um, is about where we lay our foundation because it's really important <laughs> what is at the base of our lives. This is coming from Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, by the way. <laughs> Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I think we can all understand it's so important to be building our, our houses, our lives, on the love of Jesus and the, what his um, kingdom stands for, kingdom principles in our lives. Sing about that. Worthy of every song we could ever sing.
screen if you guys would pray, pray this with me. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. Can I make a confession to you all this morning? I am so, so bad at asking for help, even when I desperately need it. Like, I am, I am that person to insist, I've got this, I'm fine, I can do it. But you know what I'm really good at? Using Google. So, if I get into a situation where I'm not sure what to do next, that's usually my first, my first play as I start to look through Google. And I'm like, okay, tell me how to get this stain out. Tell me how to fix this. Tell me, and it usually doesn't take too long before this person is saying I should do it this way. And this person's saying, I should do it this way. And this person's saying, no, 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 if you do it that way or that way, you don't know anything because you really should do it this way. And before I know it, I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> who, who actually knows what they're talking about? Who should I actually be taking advice for? Who can actually help me? And I kind of get to the point where I want to like put on like these, these headphones that just block all of it out. But the problem is if I put on these headphones, Reed loves to wear these when Ryan's working with his power tools because he can't hear anything. He puts them on, it blocks everything out. But as I'm hearing all these different voices and all these different opinions, if I block everything out, you wanna know what I'm left alone with? My own thoughts. And from the very beginning, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, so now I'm just left circulating back through my own thoughts and my own approach and my own ideas about how to, how to fix this problem. A few weeks ago, Ryan got these new headphones and they have got this really cool feature where they are noise canceling headphones. And it's the weirdest thing because he'll put them in and he, he, he can't hear anything other than whatever he is specifically playing through them. The kids can be having a party around him. He is zoned in because all he can hear is this one voice, this one song, this one specific thing in his ear and sometimes I think you know what when I'm looking on Google and getting all of these different advice and all these different opinions what I really need is I need to know what's the one opinion what's the one thing that I should be listening to most and generally to get that I actually go to somebody that I know and I admit okay I need help on this and I think that you may be able to help me and I trust that that person because I know them I've seen stuff that they've done before I can trust that their one voice coming through, even if it doesn't sound like all the other opinions, that can be one that I can trust because that person has experience and they maybe can see things a little bit differently than I can. Today, uh, Pastor Paul is going to talk about Mordecai and his relationship with Esther. So we're still in this epic series and we are um, learning more about Esther and her role in saving her people. But we know that she didn't act alone and very rarely do we ever do anything alone. Mordecai is in this story. He was her guardian. He had adopted her. Um, and he is kind of the one throughout the whole story that is, is helping her understand how she is uniquely positioned 
to help her people. He's helping her understand, hey, if you do this, it's going to have a big impact. Hey, this is what's going on here. I need you to understand this. He's constantly speaking into her because she is the one that has the power to act, and he doesn't. And so to this morning, I want you to think about those people in your life that are coaching you, that are guiding you, that are advising you. Sometimes, like the way our families are set up, we have these built-in people who speak truth and wisdom to us. But can I be honest, we don't always recognize it as truth or wisdom because it's not often what we always want to hear. We also have coworkers and friends and people who can give us advice and can help us to see a situation differently. But again, if their perspective isn't the one we want to hear, if their perspective demands something risky of us, we're oftentimes like, oh, I don't know if I want to take that advice. And so even though what Mordecai was saying to Esther was incredibly risky, I mean, if she was going to risk her life for this, she was willing to look at him and trust his experience, his perspective, the idea that he could see things maybe differently than she could. And she was willing to act just, just on his advice, on his directions. So kids this week, when your parents are telling you something and you're sitting there and you, you're so tempted to roll your eyes, like what could they possibly know? Can you remember with me for just a, just a quick second that one day, and it didn't seem like too long ago to them, they were exactly the same age as you were. And they probably thought, what do my parents know? They don't, they don't understand what I'm going through. But can you take a pause and just take a minute and think, you know what? My parents maybe have a different perspective. They've been around a lot longer than I have. They maybe are seeing this differently than I am. And of course, they want my good. And everybody else, sometimes those voices speak into you and you're like, oh, I do not want to hear that. Can I be honest? There's been plenty of times where I'm like, I know that that's right, but I do not want to hear that right now. But when we build those relationships, and I think that these friendships and these, these relationships we have, like, I think God is in all of that. Can we trust that those people that love us really love us and want our good? So... This morning, I'd encourage you, when, when lots of voices are coming around, you don't know which one to follow, can you tune in? Think about who you really trust. Who's that voice that you want in your ear? Picture that guy rounding the third bases, and the third base coachman is the one saying, keep going, keep going, or stop, stop, stop. He can see the whole field, and you're just the one running. So listen, listen for that one voice this week. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to come up and share the rest of Esther's story. Who is this on the screen? Anybody tell me who this is? Yoda. Of course, Yoda's in the Star Trek movies. No, I'm just messing with you guys that are our are, are great Star Wars fans. But this is Yoda. Uh, Yoda is this classic example of a guy. Uh, he, he's a classic example of someone who stands next to a hero in a story and walks them through the actions they need to take to live an epic life, to live a heroic life, uh, guides are a part of most stories. Uh, if you read a great book, almost in every great book, every great story, uh, there, there is this guide of some type. And so you, you see them uh, throughout um, literature, throughout moviedom, uh, there, there's guides. And we're working through as, as staff Donald Miller's book, Building a Story Brand. And he breaks down in this book the elements of a great story, and, and the element of a, a great story, and, and we'll use the Star Wars 
example, if you've ever, never seen Star Wars, just bear with me. We'll use the Star Wars example just, just to kind of uh, identify these characters. There, there's, there's a character, there's a main character. So in Star Wars, the main character, at least in, in the first Star Wars, is Luke Skywalker, this, this teenage boy that lives in the middle of nowhere. And he has a problem. And, and the problem in, in, in the first Star Wars is he, he gets this message from this Princess Leia, and he's wanting to save her. And the real problem, of course, is Darth Vader and the forces of evil that are seeking to destroy uh, the, the rebellion. He, he meets a guide, and at the beginning of the movie, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Did I say that right? Was I right? Okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then Yoda uh, becomes Luke Skywalker's guide who gives them a plan, and in the Star Wars, the plan is you use the Force, Luke, you, do, you destroy the, the Death Star, and it calls them to action, and ends in success. And so in, in the first movie, the, the Death Star is destroyed, and the rebellion is saved, and in the last one, we, we believe the dark side is destroyed, but they needed to make three more movies, I guess, and so the dark side really wasn't destroyed, or they avoid failure. And, and that, is, that is the formula of almost gr any great movie, any, any movie, any story that you read, any movie that you watch, those are the elements. And these elements are important, I believe, as, as we consider this epic story God has invited us to, to join him on, this, this ideal of, of joining God on an epic adventure. When we consider the stories and the elements of a good story, I believe these elements are present when we want to live a good life. And God has invited us. As we've worked through this series through this summer, God has invited us to join his epic story. And so we've traced through many stories. We've raced through pretty much the Old Testament from Joshua through the Persian exile. And so as we've raced through the story, we, we've seen characters like Joshua and Caleb. We, we've considered uh, King David. We've looked at Gideon. We, we've talked about uh, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And, and then last week, we began talking about Esther. And as we've talked about this series, we, we've looked at like Joshua and, and, and realized that we need a shift in perspective. If we're going to live this epic story, if we're going to join God on this epic adventure, then we need to, to see ourselves differently. We need to see others differently. We, we need to see our circumstances, even the present circumstances, differently. We need to look at our past in a different way. And we need to, to see the future through God's eyes, even in the midst of what seems like a very hopeless time, we are people of hope, right? We still have hopes. That would have been a good place for one amen. I'm hoping somebody said amen online. We are still people of hope. And so we need a different perspective. And, and then we talked about how we moved and, and, and God's call to move with him, that, that sometimes our move is a little bit different than expected, but always we move with God in the direction that God is going. And then we began to focus on people in exile, people who were living in the ad-libs of life. They, they were living 
in the unexpected circumstances. And, and so we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you listen to the podcast, we talked about King David uh, before he was king, being pursued by Saul. Everything looked like it was going great, and then Saul begins to try to kill him. We talked about Daniel and the lion's den. And then we talked about last week, Esther. And Esther, we're going to focus on that story one more time, and our attention's going to be focused on Mordecai. That's kind of a fun word to say. Say Mordecai with me. Ready? One, two, three. Mordecai. All right? It's like Abishai. All right? That's, that's how I can remember to say Abishai. It's, it's like Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai is this character in, in this story, and, and we're, we're not going to go verse by verse through the story. We'll just review it. They're in the Persian exile. And Esther becomes queen. Esther is this Jewish maiden who becomes queen. And, and even though she's queen, it's, it's different than uh, our relationships with husband and wife. She couldn't just go into the king's presence, but needed to be invited into the king's presence. And if somehow she would, she would uh, go in without invitation, she was subject to, to death or punishment. And so Esther is queen. And Haman, this Persian, has problems with with Mordecai. Mordecai has saved the king at one time, and, 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 but Mordecai will not bow down, will not honor Haman. And so Haman begins to plot Mordecai, and not just Mordecai, but, but all of the people of Israel, all the Jews in Persia. And so Mordecai hears of the plot and, and, and gets word to Queen Esther, and they begin to, he begins to encourage her to guide her and how she can assist the people of God, how she can take part in God's plan. And he uses this, this phrase that, that's just stuck with me the last two way, weeks. Who knows whether you've not attained royalty for such a time as this? And last week, we, we spent a lot of time talking about that phrase, for such a time as this. And we live in one of those times where, where we exist. I believe the church exists for all time, but particularly for such a time as this. So Mordecai becomes the guide in this story. Esther is the hero, the heroine. But Mordecai is a classic guide in this story. And he helps Esther find her place in God's, God's epic story. He helps her find her role. See, guides are necessary to join God's epic journey. We, we all need guides. And, and I appreciated what Mara said, that, that oftentimes in our spirituality, we can become so internalized, it can become God and me only to such an extent that we stop listening to outside voices. There's a number of reasons I think that happens. I, I think it happens because we don't want to be vulnerable. Anybody with me that you, you don't like being vulnerable? I'll just, I'll be the first to confess that that is the hardest thing for me to do. The hardest thing for me to do is to say, I'm hurting, I need help. Any, anybody, okay, just me, okay? Make me feel even more vulnerable and alone. Thank you very much. You know, I, I always think about that. Guys are, 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 are goofy. And all the women said, amen. Guys are goofy when we're playing sports. If you've ever been hurt playing sports, and somebody says, are you hurt? What do you say? No, I'm okay, right? 
You know, I always remember there's a guy in, at St. Paul's Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City, and, and he was a seminary student, and, and he crashed into the wall. And they asked him, Clark, are you all right? And Clark went, no. <laughs> and he was, it, was, it was such a strange response because I was so used to people just saying, yeah, I'm fine. Vulnerability. To, to, to have a guide in our life, to, to really connect to guides, there needs to be this element of vulnerability. There, there needs to be this, this removal of the mask, this willingness to listen, this willingness to allow others to participate in our life. Now, of course, God has sent a guide. The, the Holy Spirit serves as a guide to the people of God. And, and, and when we think about the Holy Spirit, one of the primary roles that the Holy Spirit plays in roles that he plays in the people of God's life is to guide them. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Here's the fear, and here is the potential issue. That, that even though I believe that the Holy Spirit is a primary guide in the life of the people of God, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit works best in community. That, that when we internalize these things, and it only becomes me and the Holy Spirit, and, and the only boundary is what I'm taking and receiving, there is a, there's a risk of dishonesty. There is a risk of self-deception when the community is not involved in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And all of, the, all of us have witnessed this. We have witnessed individuals that have internalized this to the extent that they begin to, to justify what is clearly inappropriate behavior because it's what the Holy Spirit told them personally. Anybody ever experienced that with somebody? I have. In my counseling sessions with people, I've had people justify the most unbelievable activity by saying, well, that's from God. So we need community. I have Tom sitting down there. Tom's a United Methodist pattern. Can I give an amen from you that you've seen the same thing? We need each other. And so I affirm that the Holy Spirit is the primary guide that we have as the people of God. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit works best in the midst of community, in the midst of fellow Christians, in the midst of the church. Now, now, we've talked about on staff the role of church. Well, what is the role of the church in the life of believers? See, church is not simply exists just to exist, but the church exists to be a guide, to be a vehicle within which the people of God can find their way, can find God's plan, can join this epic journey. That, that God is using the church not as the end, but as a means to create people who are strong after him. And so in this place, the, the goal is not simply to create a strong church. The goal is not just to support pastoral staff. 
The goal is for pastoral staff and the church to enliven you and quicken you in God's plan. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, is, who have promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, now typically, <laughs> I've heard a lot of pastors use that for church attendance Sunday, okay? You need to be in church, and you do. We, we need the church. But, but more than that, we really, really don't need to just be here but we need to be together. There needs to be this connection where we're vulnerable with each other and we're encouraging each other day by day. This is what the church does. The church serves as a guide, and it serves as a guide so through the vehicle of the church, together, outside the church, we can embody this story of God. It, it helps us find our place. It helps us find our role. It encourages us when we're down. It's not about the glory of the church, and, and the glory of the church is not about what happens here, but I truly believe the glory of the church is what happens outside these walls because of the encouragement you've received in the church. Now, does that mean we do all these things alone? No. We do them together. But in this place, we find the encouragement, the direction, the guidance that allows us to find our place in community serving as the people of God. And so, Christian friends, Sunday school classes, small groups, service groups, whatever ways you can connect to others and build relationships where you feel vulnerable enough, where you feel ready to share where you really are, they are crucial if we're going to become the people God intends us to become, and not only become the people God intends us to become, but to live the life God intends us to live. Can I talk about one other area I'd like to emphasize, professional counselors. Um, professional counseling is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. It, it's seeking our full potential. In many ways, to me, the role of a professional counselor in the life of the believer seems like common sense. You know, wholeness is necessary, and, and we are created body, spirit, soul, emotions, mind, all those things, and you can't separate it. That our spiritual life is oftentimes affected by our mental life and our emotional life. And so professional counselors are helpful. There's been times in the life of the church, and I still see things out there that, that concern me, that it seems like we, we dishonor, we devalue the role a counselor can play in the life of God's people. 
So a pastor that, that, that doesn't always have to be Christian counselors. Um, when, when I practice law, I'd have people come to me and they would say, well, I want to use you because you're a Christian lawyer. <laughs> and I'd always say, I want you to use me because I'm ethical, professional, and competent. That's why I want you to use me. So, so I believe that there's, there's professional counselors out there that may not be Christian by name, but understand the importance of your faith and spirituality to your wholeness. And I would say those out there that understand the importance of all those things can serve a purpose in the life of God's people. You know, I've, if I have a medical problem, a physical problem, I go to a medical doctor. If I have a legal problem and I want to sue somebody in here, I go to a lawyer. If my car gets out of whack, I go to a mechanic. And you know what I want to see in those people? Competence. I have a feeling that when all this is said and done, many of us may need to see some counselors. This has been a hard, hard year. And I'm telling you as your pastor that oftentimes that many people's lives, this is a path to wholeness. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. So let me ask you, are you serving as a guide? And when I say, are you serving as a guide, are you modeling a right perspective? Or are you modeling right action? Or are you inviting people to find their place? Are you available? Are you listening? I've got to tell you that the more I serve God, the longer I serve God, the longer I'm in the ministry, and maybe this is God just convicting me, the more important listening becomes. That we cannot serve as guides, that we cannot help people find their place unless we're willing to listen. Are you finding guides? Are you listening to the Spirit? Are you in the Word? Are you worshiping? Are you in, are you serving? Are you vulnerable to others? Have you found a place where you can connect others? Are you listening? <laughs> you know, we have guides in every area of life. We have school counselors when we're in school. We have fitness coaches that help us get in shape. There's even diet coaches. I, I get emails from Noom almost every day. Somebody must have put me on their list. We have vocational counselors and financial counselors. And my encouragement for you today is this, this deeply personal thing that is our spirituality, our relationship with God, our inner feelings. These are deeply personal things. And I'd never say, oh, you've got to share them to 
everyone, but I believe we are created to share them with someone. That, that God does not expect us to be just us and me and him. See, you're not created for this internalized journey only. We are created for us and God, community and God, the people of God together. I was out walking Kobe, and uh, yeah, we still have him. Uh, Spencer warned me when he went to school that if he comes back from school and I've already gotten rid of the dog, I'm in trouble. So I, I guess we're stuck with him for a while. So I'm out walking Kobe, and, and um, you know, he, he's, um, he's crazy. And, uh, you know, so he's walking, and I've got one of those leashes that can go way out, and, you know, so he can poop real high in people's yards. And, oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Uh, he doesn't do that. Uh, and I pick it up. I'm not going to tell you. Somebody in our church said, told me, all you need to do is have the bag and act like you're picking it up. I actually pick it up. So who's the boss? You tell me. So I'm walking him, and, uh, and he's, there's something that catches his attention this way. And he's just walking, walking, walking. And, and maybe I'm a bad owner, uh, but he walks right into a sign head first. Anybody ever been there? You know, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I do that too often. God is calling us. He's trying to guide us. He, is, he has placed people around us that want to support you and support me and help us find our way.